All right, y'all. Welcome back to the Key to Success podcast. I'm your host, Terrell Key, and I'm back. Oh, man, this might be the biggest episode that we have on the channel, man. I have two incredible brothers over here to tell y'all what we can do to uh, to start hiring and retaining and relating to black educators. I got I went out and found the best, the absolute best people that I could possibly have to talk about this. And listen, everybody keeps asking me the same question, whether it's at uh, like my school at night because I'm taking these superintendent classes or like at work. Everybody wants to know the answer to this. Like, what can we do? To, uh, to hire, like to find, to retain, recruit more black educators. So I got people to give us solutions. Like that's what we're looking for. So um, so today I got some high octane people, man. They do they do the work all over the country. Uh, 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 Principal Salone Thomas, he does it all over the world, man. I mean, like he's doing major stuff. So let me uh, let me tell you a little bit about me first before I get into it. My name is Terrell Key. Uh, you know, it's a pleasure to meet you. Uh, I've been an educator for about 16 years now. I've been a substitute teacher, a teacher, school counselor, Illinois School Counselor of the Year, president of the Illinois School Counselor Association, a bunch of other stuff. I don't know. I train people and do all kinds of other stuff. But uh, that's why you should listen to me. But I got incredible guests here. Incredible guests. The first one, let me pull them up now. We have Principal L. We got Principal L right there. Let me pull pull this up like this. I got Principal L. Uh, he is an award-winning principal and teacher. Uh, he wrote the book I chose to say. He has Will Smith all in his forward. I mean, he has an incredible personality. Y'all are in for a treat today. Like, this is going to be a great conversation. Uh, and then on top of that, I have Charles Wilson. Uh, I mean, uh, Charles Williams. Sorry, Charles. Got Charles Williams out here. Sorry, my, my screen went down over here. Threw me off. Charles Williams. He has CW Consultant. He is a, like, he travels all over uh, doing keynote speeches. Um, he has uh, the Counter Narrative Podcast. He has all these different things going on. I watched, like, at least maybe four or five, like, 30-minute videos of him before, like, he even came on today. Like, this is one smooth, put-together brother. Like, he, I'm telling you, like, you already see him in the tie today. Uh, see, Principal Will, he don't have his tie on again. I, look, I took mine off because Principal Will gave me a hard time. So I took Thank my tie you, off today. I tried to loosen up, but, but Charles is still coming with it, as you can see. Charles, Charles ain't playing with it. So how y'all doing, man? How y'all doing, uh, Charles and Principal Will? I'm blessed, man. I'm blessed. Y'all brothers had me looking bad, looking all – Super sharp on, on Twitter and everywhere with y'all suits and ties. And I'm on in my wannabe uh, KRS-1 50 cent look. You got you the know, mini man. eagle. Yeah. <laughs> but listen, it's an honor to be on there with you two brothers, man, because this is a critical, critical topic, you know, for our community and for our nation. You know, for years, people have been saying, you know, we can't find, you know, black educators, minority educators. We can't fly, find black males. They're out there. What are we doing to try to find, recruit, retain, relate, educate, elevate, whatever we can to uh, to get them into um, our school building? So I'm excited to be on with you two brothers tonight, but also to be able to interact or uh, just communicate with the, the audience, the thousands of people out there who are interested uh, in this topic tonight. Yeah, for sure. Why, why don't y'all take, take a second here? Like, let people know exactly who y'all are, man. I don't, I don't know if people recognizing exactly who y'all are, man. Like, I got stars on here. Tell them, what, what did I miss? Tell them about y'all, man. Charles, you want to go first? Yeah, yeah. So, first of all, you know, I just want to say thank you for this opportunity and, and, and having me here. I mean, so, you know, Terrell hit a bunch of those things, right? I, I'm an administrator here in Chicago. I've been in the educational sphere for about 17 years now. Uh, so when I'm not being an administrator, which is like all the time, uh, I, I host a bunch of different things. I'm the uh, founder of CW Consulting, through which I do keynotes and workshops. And I get to travel, as he mentioned, all over the country, trying to get to the point where I'm all over the world as well. But just connecting with educators and really talking about that intersectionality between leadership and equity. That is my zone. Uh, I also host the Counter Narrative podcast where we push back on discussions just like this when they say, hey, there's nobody out there. Like, no, nah, let's have those real conversations and let's make people get a little uncomfortable. But we have to shift that. Right. When we start shifting the way we think, we start shifting the way we behave. So and then the co-host of Inside the Principal's Office with my guy, Mac. Uh, life career principal down in Texas who just joined Solution Tree. And we also wrote a book together. So, uh, you know, just just a little bit of things, uh, but just excited to do this work. And like I said, right, this is a an important conversation that needs to be had because, frankly, I'm sick and tired of being told there isn't any. And then I also want to challenge the people, well, why? How come? What are we doing 
to make that thing become a reality because having that exact conversation is perpetuating this issue. So I'm looking forward to diving into this conversation. Yep. And Principal L, tell them who you are. Well, brother, I, I'm I'm 35 years, you know, I'm 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 in deep, 22 as a principal. And again, and I and I love hearing Charles talk about how he's an educator, but he's also an entrepreneur. You know, folks gotta understand that 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 being an educator and being an entrepreneur um are, are, are not things that we can't do at the same time. Um so so uh you know and I'm doing the same thing and, and I encourage and there are many black males there are many blacks who don't go in the profession because they want to be entrepreneurs or they don't want to be underpaid underappreciated but um they're not mutually exclusive you mm -hmm. can be an entrepreneur you can be an educator and an entrepreneur you can serve your community but you can also serve your family serve your, your knowledge of self uh, uh develop your business develop your brand develop your message because it's all about spreading that gospel all across the country and nation, as Brother Charles said, but also around the world. So um, I've written five books, working on book number six. I'm so behind on this book. ASCD is they light the fire on me to get this book done. But it's about what we're talking about tonight. Meeting children where they are, not where we are. How do we do that? With this leadership and this equity work and making sure that we're finding educators out there that can relate that can educate and that can elevate. Um, so I'm, I'm excited and uh, and looking forward to finding some solutions for years, for decades, we've been admiring this problem. It's mm -hmm. time for us. And tonight, like you say, this is, this is the epic, this is the episode here. This is the one you wanna watch because tonight we're gonna talk about some solutions and what we can do to answer that, that, that question we often get asked, how come there aren't any? We're going to all these rooms and we're not finding minority educators in places where we know they exist. But for some reason, they're not at the table. So tonight we're going to show you how you build a longer table and add these teachers, leaders and administrators to your table. Yeah, I totally agree. And since we're talking about entrepreneurship, your boy's an entrepreneur too, man. So, you know, I got Terrell Key Consulting. You know, we're doing our thing. And then also, got a, I, got a, I got a clothing store too, man. Like, so, you know, check out the merch, you know what I'm saying? Y'all can pick, uh, pick that up. You know, so uh, we got merchandise out there, but let's kind of let's, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. So um, first first question, like, why is this topic is so important to y'all? You know, like as soon as I, I reached out, I told y'all kind of what I want to talk about. Like y'all, y'all were on it right away. Like, why did this topic jump out to you? And any one of y'all come first. Yeah, so, you know, I, I think one of the biggest things is that, we, you know, we keep we like to have conversations about what's wrong in education. And, you know, we, we point to these gaps, we point to the, the data, all of these different things. And, but we never really talk about roots of the issue. Right. We, we like to talk about that superficial, the things that we see. But we never like to dive in and start to say, well, what are we doing that is causing this thing? Right. Having those those very uncomfortable conversations. And so, you know, when we start having dialogue about what are our students learning? What You know, uh, a lot of times I like to say you can't be what you don't see. And then we're trying to figure out why are students not being successful in those spaces when they're constantly being put out, when they're constantly being told, right, that their history is being whitewashed and amended and romanticized and politicized. Those are like we need to have conversations about why these things are happening. And I believe one of the biggest reasons is because we're not in those spaces. It's really easy when you hand your children off to somebody else and say, teach my child their history, teach my child the reality of the things around them, teach my child who they are. And it's somebody who doesn't understand who your children are. It's a big problem. And so when that came up, when this conversation came up, I said, absolutely, let's have this conversation because I've been honored. I have been humbled to be able to serve for the last seven years in a space where I've cultivated a space with so many different educators of color and men of color. Like when you come into those spaces, it's not like what you normally see in different in different educational spots because it's this is something we believe in. And so if this is what we're going to do, we're going to make this thing happen. And it has made all the difference. And so if I can do it in my spaces, I know it can be replicated in other spots. And so when you mentioned it, I was like, let's have this conversation because, you know, my guy Vernon Wright said the other day, what may be common sense to you may be the breakthrough for someone else. And so maybe, just maybe something we say on this show will be that light bulb that goes off for somebody out there, some administrator, somebody, whoever's in charge who says, oh, that makes sense. Let's make this thing happen. 
I, to- I totally agree with you, Principal. Yeah, like, what? How did I get you on the on the hook right away? Like, what, like, why was this topic so important to you, and uh, and why did it resonate with you to get you on the show? Well, first of all, with a name like Terrell Key, how can you not? <laughs> how can you not want to be on the show with a brother with a cool name, you know, like that? Um, but it, it, it again, as a brother said, this this is a topic that's. It's relevant now. It was relevant 10 years ago. It was relevant 20 and 30 years ago. And, and, and people need to understand the historical perspective that the education is not something that African-Americans have run away from. Mm. That, 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 you know, b- before Brown versus the Board of Education, we ran our own schools and own school systems. Mm-hmm. Once we had integration, then there was no longer a need for the thousands of black educators who have been out there. So they were all left jobless. They didn't have no one, no, no longer no, wanted these black educators because these black students who have been taught by these black educators were now attending schools taught by non-minority educators. And that's how the problem began. And it's just uh, it's just exacerbated itself, you know, o- over the decades. And um, and then you talk about a profession that doesn't appreciate the people who serve. Uh, doesn't take care of them, and then the added layers and barriers that are there for minorities who want to get into uh, the professions, and also for women as well, and, and I often champion this issue, that women are the majority of our profession, they have the highest degrees, but yet they somehow struggle to get some of these top leadership positions. Why? Because the system is not set up for women and minorities to be successful we've got to shatter the status quo. And so if I had an opportunity to be a part of that uh, solution, it was no way I was going to turn down an opportunity to be on TV with Terrell Key. Let's have it. Yeah, I mean, and for me, man, the reason why I stuck out for me is like, I'm not a complainer, man. Like, if, if we if we got a problem, let's go out and go solve it, man. I don't like playing around. I don't like talking about stuff over and over again, beating a dead horse. Let's go out and do something for it. And the thing is, we know that there are incredible black teachers like that are all over. Um, I mean, and it's been this way, like like Principal Hill hinted to, like it's been this way, even like in Reconstruction, like when we look at history, there were teachers out in the field that like literally were teaching people how to read, how to do math, and you ended up with all of these politicians, like in the Reconstruction era, right after slavery, leading all the way up, you know, like to what we were talking about integration and stuff like that. So all these teachers were washed out by certifications. We, we started to believe that certifications were more important than actual teaching skills. And I mean, like that, that's that's part of the problem right now. And a lot of times there's people in your building that are serving as aides and all kinds of other stuff that could be your teachers, but we're not doing anything about it. So like it's time now, like we're going to have a discussion for real. We're not playing games today, man. We're going to do, we're going to do this for real. So um, the first, uh, first thing, cause Charles came up with a lot of these misconceptions. Uh, the first one that he put down is, and this, this is a common one that comes up all the time. Black people are co- uh, capable of being instructional leaders. Like, we're not just disciplinarians. Like, why was this Why was this so important to you? And this is something that was so important for me, and that's why I wanted to make sure I had a hand in instruction. So I'm interested in uh, hearing what you got to say about that, Charles. Well, you know, I, I think it goes back to, like, what we were talking about, right, uh, the experiences that are young Black men. So one of the things that I talk a lot about is not just why aren't there men of color in, in education, but I want to go back and talk about the experiences that we have in school. Because the truth is that if I'm sitting in a space and I and I have a horrible experience, you know, 12, 13 years there's no way in the world that I'm going to grow up and be like, that's exactly what I want to do, right? Like, there, there's no way. So when we start to go back and say, well, how come, what, what's happening in our schools for that experience? And the, so a lot of times when we think about uh, men of color in our in our school spaces, they're deans, they're disciplinarians, they're, you know, they're, and, and I was talking to somebody recently and it was kind of a conversation, well, like, yeah, but, you know, it's easier to build relationships in that space, right? Because we we kind of look alike. I can connect with you. I'm able to help you and kind of navigate you through that. And I get that. I understand that. Hopefully, right, if that were the case, like, you know, we, we reduce suspensions and things like that. We keep kids inside of school. But why isn't that then happening in the classroom? Why is that same mindset not being applied in that space? So instead, what happens when I think of a black man in a school, I immediately think about, you know, oh, they're there to to manage, right? Uh, when I think about the difference between a manager and a leader, right, a manage manages, right? They maintain a status quo. That's all I'm there for, 
I'm there to respond to situations, to kind of just keep things progressing as they are, which is not what we want to do. A leader is going to come in and challenge that status quo, push you beyond those limits, but it is okay for us to come into those spaces. And I really believe, and this is just me talking my truths, that a lot of times it's bringing us into those spaces to say, aha, we have them here. You can't say that we're not including people. We have them here, but you're not in a position to challenge, to change. And we see that, right? It's interesting how history repeats itself or history rhymes that we're talking about what happened during Reconstruction. And we're starting to see this pushback again, right? You can't teach this. You can't talk about this. You can't do this. And if you don't have people like us in positions where we're able to say no, I'm teaching this in my building. I'm going to make sure this is part of my curriculum. I'm going to make sure that my students understand the the truths behind the history. Then you're able to maintain that status quo. So I really believe that there's, uh, you know, we like to we like to put it in a pretty way to say, oh, we're we're going to put you in this place. You're going to be able to build relationships and connect with students and help them navigate those difficult spaces. Okay, that's fine. But I can do the exact same thing in the classroom as well. And so it just it aggravates me when we're pigeonholed into places of, of, of management, of disciplinarians, and we really need to push when we need to push back. If you're in one of those roles and you have your type 75 or your administrative certificate, whatever it may be, even if you don't have it, start having conversations about how you can step into instructional positions because that that is one of the biggest issues that we're facing where our students don't see people who look like them. And so I, I just I get upset because I don't think it's a mistake. I don't think it's a mistake that we are brought into those spaces and then pigeonholed into a disciplinarian role. Totally agree. Principal L, what about you? Like, what do you what do you think about us being instructional leaders and not just disciplinarians? It's it's not a mistake. That brother is spot on. It's intentional. It's it's purposeful because when I place you in those positions, then what I'm not doing is I'm not acknowledging your intelligence. I'm not and not acknowledging your ability to be a leader. Um, and, and, it, and it's not about being superior, um, but it's about maintaining superiority. So I can maintain my positional superiority, my privilege, if I don't acknowledge the fact that you may be able to lead an organization. You may be able to inspire others to greatness. If I say, hey, I love you a lot and I'm going to give you this position and I'm going to give you know, Malcolm X talk about how. Folks that get some crumbs and some cookies and they're happy and they'll go back and tell everybody else in the group, let's just relax. But, you know, mm-hmm. we're, 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 they're good to us. That's not what we want. We mm-hmm. want to be able, we want to be able to, we want many boats to rise. If many boats are going to rise, then we have to, we have to aspire to leadership and leadership means you're going to get called names. The folks going to try to hit you. Folks going to try to attack you. They're going to talk about you, but that's okay because I'm doing this in the name of what our ancestors have done so we can be in this position. But it's done with full purpose because it, we, I have to. I mean, you, you imagine how many people had to struggle to call Obama President Obama? They did everything in their power to avoid that and then attacked everything he did and then said, Maya, you had some major senators and congressmen saying, my sole purpose in office is to mm-hmm. destroy him. Is to make sure he's not successful because he needs to be the dean. He needs to be the, the, the climate manager. He needs to be the disciplinarian. He can't be the president. She can't be the vice president because they don't have those skills. They can't swim. They can't coach. They can't pitch. They can't do those things that require intellectual prowess. So I'm going to give you a position and I want you to be happy with it. But see people like Charles and you, brother, uh, uh, Terrell and others said, no, no, no. I want more than that. I want more than that for me. And I want more than that, you know, for, for our people. So I'm going to keep pushing. I'm going to keep fighting. And that's what we have to do. And that's why we're having this conversation tonight, because it's on like popcorn. And we're going to we're going to, you know, no more remaining quiet. So other people can shine their light. It's time for us to start fighting for our people to get these positions so we can lead ourselves, you know, out, out of this out of this dark place. And um, and, 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 and that's why it really, really, really hits home, because I had some major educators. And you, and you talked about that coming out of uh, coming out of the Civil War, and some of those other periods. 
those HBCUs were started by black educators. They mm -hmm. were started by educators, many who weren't certified, didn't pass a praxis, mm -hmm. you know, but they knew what was needed. And they knew they and they and they knew it was all about connecting with um with our students. One room schoolhouses, they didn't have smart boards, they but what they had was a heart for children, a heart for knowledge, a thirst for knowledge, and a love for for for, for people. So um let, let's um let's start talking about how we can turn this system around and, and stop allowing people to say we can't find good, intelligent, uh, 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 successful uh, uh, black um, uh, leaders, women leaders, because we can. Minorities, we can. They're out there. We see them. We know them, gentlemen, in our travels, in our work. We meet them. We work with them. They're out there. Let's make sure that they have a voice. Yeah, look, I totally agree. I totally, totally agree with you. I think one of the other things that people do is like when you're a disciplinarian, like you're reactionary. You're just waiting on things to come to your office. You know what I mean? You're just sitting like you can't you're not a visionary person. Disciplinarians or reactionaries, leaders are visionaries like they see the future. They see where they want the school to go. They push and drive and change the direction and the, the culture and the climate of a school like that. There's so much more impact that you could have. If you are in a leadership role, especially when it comes to instruction, like you can improve the way that math is being taught, the way English is being taught. You can make sure that there's equity and you're not just some DEI person or something like that. Like you can make you can ensure that equity is happening across the board mm -hmm. because you're in a leadership person like you're a position. That's so many times. I mean, like that's some incredible people on this call right now that I know that were pushed to be deans when they didn't even need to be deans. They're probably ready to run a building right now. But they're pushed into a position of being a dean and told that they got to have all of this extra experience as a dean. Like it, discipline does not take experience. Like there is no like you do get you do not get any experience doing discipline. I promise you that it is, it is literally routine. You do what you got to do. You find like it's a lot of gray area. You do what you got to do and you make things happen. It, it's not something that you that is required of you to do in order to be a building principal. But to be a great leader, like it requires vision, you know, communication skills and stuff like that. Just because you you have experience doesn't necessarily mean that you're capable of having a vision or communicating that vision. Just because you're a great teacher or a great dean doesn't mean that you're going to be a great building leader. Like so, I, I think that this totally played out. And there's a lot of ordinary people that are pushed into positions of leadership just because who they're connected to, um, just because of what they look like or what their name is or who their cousin is or whatever. And I, I think that it just slows down the process and it turns a lot of people off. And people don't even want to be in it because they know that they're not getting a fair shot. I know personally for me, it's hard for me to get a lot of interviews sometimes just because of my name. And there's all kinds of credentials and stuff behind me. But like when people see the name, they think, you know, this person is a reactionary, not a visionary. And they got the whole game wrong. Yeah, Terrell, if, if, I, if I may really quick, you ahead, know, I talk ahead, about ahead. just trying to make people uncomfortable because I know right now there are some individuals who are sitting out there, some maybe deans, some disciplinarians who may be considering maybe that thoughts right there. So I just want, I, I, I've thought about a parallel when Principal L was talking. So I, I think back to a certain time in our history when there were individuals who were responsible for upholding the laws, the policies, the systems that were directly designed to oppress the same individuals who looked exactly like them. And I know exactly, I know you know what I'm talking about. Because think about when you're sitting in your space as a disciplinarian and we know that these rules, these policies, these systems within our schools are designed, right? Like just, just this year, they, they passed a law that said, hey, you can't discriminate on hair. Like just this year. So there are these policies, these systems, and systems do what systems are designed to do. And you're the one, the one that looks like me, the one that I should be comfortable with, the one that I should be trusting, who says, I'm going to enforce this thing. I'm going to enforce this policy that is designed to hold you back to design to kick you out of school so that way you're not successful. And so I just I, I want to challenge you right now, because if you are a disciplinarian and you're watching the show, you're listening to the show and you're not in a space that you're comfortable with, if you're not agreeing with those policies, but you're OK sitting back and saying, I'm just going to sit in, in this role because at least they gave me some crumbs. Consider it. Consider what you're actually doing. Yeah. Seriously, and like, I, and I, mean, I want to, and, I, and I'll tell you this too, bro. First of all, I, before I forget, brother, um, Terrell, I want to thank you because I didn't realize your background was so heavy in counseling. And can, you know, being a, a teacher principal for thirty-five years, you can best believe I have I have grown to have a, a, a major love and appreciation for counseling. I know that was your background, so I want to thank you for taking on that role in school because it's important. 
uh, and powerful and making an impact. So I want to thank you for that. But I also want to reach out to all those deans and other administrators who are out there, let you know that our conversation is not to minimize what you do. We've mm -hmm. all done it. We mm -hmm. appreciate what you do. What we want to do is let you know is that's not all you can do. When you're told, take that job, that's all you'll be able to do. No, it's going to be a stepping stone. I did it. Mm -hmm. What I want you to know is we're here, to, we're here to tell you there's a roadmap for you to be a leader on a much larger scale. And, and we're here to support you in trying to achieve that. Don't let anyone tell you that you are limited in your scope of what you're doing. Great experience, but not the end of it. That's why we're having this conversation. We appreciate what you're doing. There, we, we need folks who are out there make, making sure that they're de-escalating situations. We need people out there making sure that, 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 that there's relationships being developed with those students who have issues, that people are, are centering their feelings and their biases. We need folks who are out there making sure that that, that that pipeline is not being built for our children. But we also want you to realize if you have bigger dreams, you have bigger goals, then you should go after them. And we are here to support you doing that. Yeah, for sure. And also, I would also encourage you to start like networking and connecting with people that are in positions like, uh, you know, above, you know, like say if somebody's in the district office and that's where you want to go. Say you want to be like a, you know, a, a director of uh, instruction or something like that. Start networking with them. Start working with them. It don't even have to be in your building, but talk to people, gain more information and stuff like that and start building that pathway to what you want to be. But I would not I would not get stuck. You know, I mean, and I'm not saying that like the role ain't important. It's definitely important. You got to do it. But at the same time, and it's, it's definitely more out there. Uh, the next misconception uh, that, that was listed was and all those black educators ain't, ain't the same. We don't have the same ideologies and stuff like that. We have all these different backgrounds, all of it. Like, not, like we're not all the same. Uh, Principal, Will, you want to kick that off for us? Like, what, like, why, like, you know, like, why? Do, some people think that we're all the same. You bring in, you got a black person in there, and you got it doing. You got, a, you got the black person that you need. It's the right black person for the kids. It might not even. Like, this kid, black person, might be harmful for the kid, for the kids. What do you think, Principal? Will? Hey, bro, we 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 talked about this earlier, man, before the show. You know, like, you know, my man, he's running this Oprah program. We got the board for the show, the after the show, the hotel lobby. You know, um, but we talked about this. That, that we, we, we go into these organizations that hire these uh, minorities as a diversity equity officer, and they're the only minority in the building, only minority in the meeting. So where's the diversity and the equity? Um, you know, we can't just give a person a, a position. You know, we, 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 the one person, the one minority can't be the one, the, the, the one off, can't be the end all, the be all, the one answer. You know, and oftentimes, I'm, I'm sure you brothers have, have experienced this, we're sitting in meetings, you know, we're sitting at a dinner or we're sitting in a room somewhere. And every time something comes up that's related to, to blacks and minorities, mm -hmm. they come to you for the answer to that mm -hmm. problem. I don't, I don't, mm -hmm. I don't have all the answers, you know, right. and, and we, and we, we, and we're saying this to you because maybe some of your black and minority friends may not be saying this to you, but we want to tell you that it's offensive oftentimes. And I, and I appreciate um, the whites um, and non-minorities out there who are allies, who recognize because some have I've seen stand up and say, hey, wait a minute, why do we keep asking this man everything that applies to African Americans? You know, he can't answer for every African American, you know, and also, you know, we need to stop thinking that that we're all just athletes, you know, we're all just entertainers. <laughs> you know, you, you guys, we have some serious scholars out here. We have some folks who are out here saving lives, who are changing the world. And our children need to see that. The adults need to see that. Um, so very important. You know, like I, I tell my students all the time, you know, you go, you, when you when you study Africa, there's one thing I love about my mother made me study Africa, at African history as a child. When you look at these buildings that were built by these people, the engineering, the science, when you look at how, you know, geometry was, was developed in the Nile Valley when the Nile would flood, the mathematicians developed this math called geometry so they would be able to uh, um, determine the boundaries when when the when the water would recede. That these are all the algebra was an African, was a black man. That these are all things that we do with scientists. You know, our history didn't begin in the 1600s. <laughs> so we are not just one track folks. We are so diverse and with so many talents. 
and we want when we need that to be recognized. And when we when you do recognize that is when you see the true leadership that lies within many of the people, you know, in our community, in our nation. Yeah, for sure. And Charles, you know, so immediately one of the things that come to mind is a phrase that, you know, somebody just I heard the other day or a while back and it just sticks with me. Right. Just because we're skin folk doesn't mean that we're kin folk. Right. And, and this idea like and I want to just a word of caution, like if you're watching this, like we're not telling you just go out and just hire the first black man that you see. Like that is not what we're talking about, because you want to make sure that you're putting somebody into a position that is right for your school, that is right for your students and making sure that because a lot of times and when we talk about how come our young men aren't going up, growing up and saying, hey, I want to be an educator. we got to sometimes uh, engage in that discourse, too, and saying, like, what have I done to contribute to that? Like we, we talked a little bit earlier about, you know, being that disciplinarian and forcing these ideologies that, you know, are, are directly up. Uh, oppressive to our people but i also just think it's about how we're showing up and the things that we're doing like a lot of times there are people in spaces people in positions and this goes for just teachers across the board and i've said this before like look maybe you don't need to be a teacher like this is not the space for you because you're doing more damage than you need to and so i i just want to be very cautious because people immediately see somebody and be like, all right, well, I, I need to hire a black person. And like you said, diversity, equity, inclusion. I'm looking for somebody of color. I'm looking for a person of color. And I'm just going to throw them in there and not really consider, like, what are your strengths? What are your back? Like, Principal L pointed out, like, we are extremely diverse individuals, even though we may all have the same ethnicity box check, maybe whatever it is. But we all have our own strengths and weaknesses. And so you got to be cognizant. You got to be intentional about who you're putting in front of your students. Don't just throw somebody in there because, oh, well, I need a person of color, right? Disciplinarian, DEI person, whatever it is. Make sure that you're being intentional about this. That, like, I, I just want to caution you because you could do way more harm than good. And I've seen that. I've had to have some real honest conversations with people. Like, this is in the field for you. Why are you out here trying to fight students? You're, you're a teacher. Yeah. What are you mm-hmm. doing? Like, no, nah, this isn't, well, you know, man of color. That's nice, but you can go do that somewhere else because you're not doing it in my building, right? So be intentional about the people that you bring into your space so that way you're not causing more harm than good. I, t- I totally agree. Um, the other thing, like, just c- sort of like you were saying, like, you're causing harm when you're bringing in someone that's not bad and, like, that's bad. A lot of times what ends up happening is they'll hire just anyone like, you know, like they could not even be like the best candidate. They bring in someone, then they don't do well. And then next thing you know, you're saying, oh, man, look, we hire somebody. And now, look, this is why we don't just hire diversity, equity and like that. That's not the way that you do it. You go out, you actively go out and you recruit the best. Um, another thing and just kind of get into the question. man, like we're all different. Like a lot of us are different economically. Like every black person didn't come from the hood. Like mm-hmm. So you might come from a, you know, a middle class background. And then you're in the inner city now and you don't relate to the kids at all. Like you have nothing in common with the kids other than your skin color. Or like you might have an idea, ideological difference between like you and the kids. Like, you know, like just because uh, you're black doesn't mean that you have the same ideology. Like we're not, it's not all cookie cutter like that. And that's gender differences. Like sometimes the women might not agree with some of the things, or maybe they can't relate, you know, or maybe you're an older woman and you're black and you can't relate to the younger people. Like there's all of these different situations uh, they could call it like just because you're black doesn't mean that you're a good fit or that you better understand the students or anything like that. That's why it's important to be aggressive and to go out there and try to find the best people that are going to be able to go in there and relate and uh, relate to your students and help them and to be there for them in the system and stuff like that. So I, I just I think it's got to you got to be real cautious with just getting somebody just to get somebody like that's not the way you do it. Like it takes intentionality. It takes thought, you know, and uh, and hiring and recruiting people. Uh, you know, like because you don't want to bring someone in and then have a bad teacher for 15 years or someone that's doing damage to kids for 15, 20 years. So I think it's definitely something that you need to be cautious about. Um, the next misconception that was on the list is, um, uh, let's see. Uh, oh, yeah. When 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 uh, black educators are uh, at the school and they're like the overwhelming majority, I mean, my, minority, a lot of times they have to experience microaggressions, uh, you know, whether it's intentional or it's unintentional. A lot, and for people that are not educators, you might not know what microaggressions are. Uh, like those are like those little comments, you know what I mean? Like that people say, and like individually, it might not seem like it's a big deal, but when you're hearing it over and over and over and over again, it starts to pile up on you. So, Charles, you want to kind of talk about that like a little bit? 
Yeah, you know, it, it, microaggressions are interesting. You know, somebody mentioned like, like, imagine like somebody like you get a paper cut, right? It's not, it's not that bad. But when you're getting a paper cut over and over and over again every single day, like that, the damage adds up. And microaggressions are the exact same thing. And I think a lot of times, you know, you find yourself in spaces. And I'll be honest, like as an educator, especially, like I've talked about my journey, right? Like I, I used to be that educator, I, and I, this is just me being transparent and vulnerable. If you would have talked to me 17 years ago when I first started this journey, I wasn't that educator who probably should have been like in minority spaces because I was raised, right? I talk about this whole thing with colorblindness, stripped away that identity, had no clue, right? Believed, lived into these the, these stereotypes, these biases, right? And that that's all I knew, right? And so as, as I progressed and I figured out who I was and in these spaces. So I think a lot of times the, and I'll be honest, the, the, the aggressions that I experienced, I didn't even realize that. Like I have, and I, my yearbook, and I'll find it at some point, I'll post this. It literally says on there, like to my favorite darkie, like, mm, how was that? Okay. But at the time I was like, eh, whatever, like, I, I don't know, I guess it's cool. Right. But the, the problem is, is that those little comments, those little things that happen all the time, like, oh, you speak so well, right? Oh, you you know, you're educated. I didn't realize like there are these little comments that are being made. And here's the problem. And, and I think what, uh, the concern that I have is that if I didn't recognize it when it was being done to me, then I can't recognize when it's happening in my classroom between students. I couldn't recognize when it was happening from teachers to students. And I talk a lot about being advocates for your students, right, about standing up and speaking out for them. And at that time, I wasn't able to do it, right? And in fact, I was probably, I, I won't even say probably, I'm going to say that more than likely I was contributing to that, right? And so you, we have to understand then, especially now, and I recognize this, that when we're the only people, and it's, I'll be honest, it's not just when we're the minorities in there, because we do these things to, to each other a lot. It, mm -hmm. we, we make, there, there's these ignorant little comments. And here's what I want to tell you, that if you find that, right, if you're sitting in a space, right, I, I saw the other day there was a, a, a little league game, and when the team won, they were putting cotton in the little boy's hair, mm. and he was just sitting there, the only black player on the team, and the announcers, ha, 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 boy, kids will be kids, like, no, because if you're that educator and you're allowing those things to happen, it's never going to stop. What you're saying is that those things are okay, which you permit, you promote. And so you have to stand up when that's when somebody says something, when it doesn't sit right, whether it's directed to you or to one of your students, you have to speak up. And, I, and I'll tell you this. And I, I just I've grown comfortable in this role and in the positions that I am in. You cannot be OK in spaces that are like that. Like if you can, if you challenge and you push back and they're not willing to change, if the administration isn't willing to support you, then you need to find someplace else to be because you, you, you should not have to fight to be accepted for who you are. So like be be mindful of those little comments that seem ah, ha ha ha. It's funny. It's it's just in Jack. I, I was just joking. Like, no, those things hurt. And a lot of times if you're not if you're not careful and I'm sure Terrell could talk about this from the counselor's point of view, they, 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 they build up. Right. There's this toxic stress that builds up. And before you know it, you break. And maybe you don't even know why you break. But you 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 have to stand up and say something. And like I said, if, if it doesn't work for you, be OK stepping out and saying, look, I'm going to go someplace else that is allowing me to be me for who I am, because it's just. We, we play too much into that game. Like, again, like we, we said earlier, like, I'll take it just so I could get this position. I'll take the abuse just so I could get some recognition. I'll, like, no, like we, we, we have to stop kind of compromising in that area. It's not a yes, but like, no, like it, it, it it's enough. And I, I'm sorry, I just I get upset because I, I, I see that so much. Like just people saying, hey, I, it's, it's just it, it's the way it is. It doesn't need to be that way. Totally agree. Principal L, what do you think? Um, I I I, I totally agree. And and you know, and, and and the brother talked about um, you know, oftentimes we're in these settings where people, you know, maybe they didn't say something, but they allowed it and didn't mm -hmm. do anything about it. You know, I was just I saw a story about the Duke volleyball player who played in this game where he kept yelling these racist mm -hmm. uh, uh mm -hmm. commentary toward her and nobody in I'm, I'm like nobody in the audience had this guy removed, had these people removed to the point where the players rebelled and started wearing, I think, like Black Lives Matters shirts, you know, uh, just as a way to support this black young lady, you know, on the team. 
So, um, you know, oftentimes it may not necessarily be the fact that we're saying it, but but when we allow it and we don't do anything about it, you know, it's the silence that we remember oftentimes. Um, but I think I, I, I would often I need to make sure that I point out that there are many administrators who commit some of these microaggressions as well when mm -hmm. it comes to teachers and other staff members and not, not just microaggressions, but also they're struggling with creating thriving school cultures where, 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 where people feel comfortable, where people can be vulnerable, people can feel safe. So we need to offer that support to those administrators because that, that's one of the reasons why so many people are leaving the profession because we just don't have that leadership. We have lots of leaders. We don't have enough leadership. And so the people in those positions have to understand that, that they need to get those skills to be able to relate you, you know, and I, I added that to to our recruit and retain to um, uh, black administrators, but also be able to relate to them, you know, as well. Um, but we've got to find ways to support these administrators. And this this show tonight is an example. This is something they can watch and rewatch. This is something they can share with their teams. This is something that they can share with their colleagues um, hearing right from the front lines. They're getting this, you know, I said earlier, you know, this is real from the field, like Mace, you know, it's, 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 we're, we're bringing it. This is this is the truth. This is not something we saw on, on TV. This is real. This is from our heart. This is what's happening on the ground. Um, so we have to make sure that we are sensitive to what we're saying. We got to lead. We have to lead with empathy. We have to lead with mercy and grace. But we got to start building schools where blacks and minorities are knocking the doors down to get in and not knocking the doors down to get out. Mm. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, and, and, and the thing is like, you have to create the environment like that people feel like they belong and they want to stay. Like, I think that's on all of us as leaders to make sure that that's the environment. I know when I first came to, you know, my new school, I experienced a lot of the microaggressions myself. Like, I mean, whether it's from students sometimes even like saying you know like you're not like other black people you're smart you're thoughtful and things like that. i'm like wait wait a minute like now you just told me about your family that was all crazy so now you're gonna put every crazy person on me like that's what we that's what we doing now like you just told me that your, your, fam your family just get drunk and they fight and they loud but you, you can't see that that all of us ain't like that and the people that act like that are just on the news more often uh, you know, so I think it was an opportunity in that situation for me to kind of explain. And he was kind of like, yeah, man, like my family is wild. You know what I'm saying? So he was able to kind of see that, you know, but if I if I wasn't like who I am, maybe I would have just took that in and that would have became like a microaggression or like teachers were telling students when I first got there not to come down to me for college stuff. Like, you don't want to go to him if you want to talk about going to like Harvard or to Yale or something like that. He can't help you out with it. But what I ended up doing, like, I was like, all right, y'all go ahead, y'all make your comments. But I ended up helping out all the kids that um that were that had free or reduced lunch or wouldn't in that, that in crowd or whatever. So I ended up turning a lot of this stuff on 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 people and ended up like that's how partly how I ended up winning Illinois School Council of the Year because you're talking you're probably helping ten percent of the kids. I'm gonna go help the whole other ninety percent. Like I mean, I I did I I literally chose not to stay in within that microaggression. I know it's not always. Uh, you know, feasible for everybody. But for me, I was like, okay, like that's what we doing. Then this is how I'm going to play it. But at the same time, I will tell you, it did make me want to leave. It made me not want to be there. It made me not feel valued. So fortunately, like new administration came in and I was able to tell them exactly how I feel. So even if they're watching, like none of this is a surprise to them. I told them, um, I, I literally said, I would have thought with all of the work that I did, like within this district, that I would have opened up the door for somebody that looks like me. Because I, at one point, I was the only black male educator in the entire district. And, mm -hmm. you know, since then, like things have changed, you know, but, I, you know, it, it takes speaking up. It takes courage a lot of times. So, yeah, definitely, man. Like those microaggressions are there, man. But like sometimes you got to be brave. But I do realize, hey, everybody ain't brave and everyone's not in a position uh, to speak up in the way that I was able to. So I'm not going to put that on everybody. But if you can, I mean, sometimes you got to speak up and you got you to you shoot your shot and roll the dice to try to make things better. Uh, where you work, you know, so or you might have to leave, <laughs> you know, so. Well, you know, I'll say this, that, that there's plenty of individuals out there like, I mean, first of all, like, yeah, like as administrators, it is our job to make sure that like, like El said, like that they're not trying to run out of these spaces. But I'll tell you, like we, we just mentioned earlier, Terrell's network, find those people. So like that way, if if push comes to shove, you find people like us who can say, hey, you know what, my door's open.
I could use a strong educator in my space. So that way you never feel like you have to be like, oh, I don't have any other options. Make those connections. There are, are plenty of us out there. Jump on Twitter, jump on social media, jump on whatever, like follow us and we will connect you with those people because you never, ever, ever have to suffer alone, suffer in sure. silence. That's so true. And I, I, you know, I wasn't active on Twitter then too. Like I felt like I was kind of in a silo. So that's a really good point. Like you could connect with it. Like we're all out here. Like TKO6. Uh, he got he has this handle right here. He got CW Consultant and Principal L. You just type Principal L in the search bar. He pops right up. Uh, Principal L, did you have anything that you wanted to add on it? No, I just um no, I I I just uh, I'm I'm just sitting here processing, you know how how often, um, first of all, the blessing to be able to to have this 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 vehicle, um, this media to be able to reach you know audiences because you know I um I I often go and speak at these conferences um these state conferences and national conferences and um and and the conversation is all you know and these are conferences where there 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 are large urban centers nearby but yet there often aren't any minority leaders mm-hmm. in the conference mm-hmm. at the table or they, they, they there may be a few there may be three four five six hundred people at the conference and maybe 10 15 minority administrators and i'm saying I, there's got to be more in the state why aren't they here and i often hear um you know well you know we can't find them we go out and look and we you know we try to invite them and then i ask you know i ask people i say you know, I, what's the tell me the truth what and then i, I had one was honest with me recently and said i'm gonna be honest with you because we're afraid to actively and honestly and openly say that we're out seeking a black administrator we need more black administrative participation. We struggle with saying that because somehow it's viewed as negative or wrong because we shouldn't just be looking for black administrators, but we should because we lack that diversity. But because we don't, we we are afraid to express our intentionality and be purposeful about it, we lack the, the diversity. And I and I, and I and I told the young man, I was honest, I was I was happy. Uh, and thankful for, for his honesty. And I think that's how we move the needle. We have to be comfortable with saying that we need more minorities. We need more women. That's who we're going after. That's when you go to the the black campuses. That's when you bring HR and say, come and meet some of our minority um, employees. When we're intentional, then we find them. But when you got to start playing games and Star Wars and, and Star Trek, trying to make it look like you're not looking for the person when you know what you really need and what you're looking for that person's not going to feel one they're going to feel tolerated and not celebrated and mm. then so they're not going to want to work in your organization that's why you can't find black and minority and women um leaders um and educators because they know that you're only hiring them because you want to check a box not because you really want to change your organization and make it more powerful through diversity. So um, I'm just thankful we have this platform. I'm mm-hmm. thankful for you two brothers for your connection because you're right. Social media is huge for us. I don't people think people really understand, and not just that, but the the, the network of potential customers and clients and and people who can impact you that you can impact. It's 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 a powerful tool, and uh, we've got to find a way to use it more. Um, but we've also got to make sure that we take advantage of opportunities like this to communicate real, honest, and true messages and don't sugarcoat it. Don't sugarcoat it. Tell well, I mean, the- it's hard to hide because a lot of times you can find out in the interview process, you can just look at who's there at the table. You know, I mean, like, and you can see exactly what's going on, you know, if this is going to be a situation for you or not. You might even get somebody in the door for an interview, but that don't mean they're going to take the job. Like, I mean, Especially if you're talking about like these high functioning leaders and stuff like that, you think you're the only one that wants one of the two percent of like these exceptional people. You think you're the only one? Like you just gotta just like you just open the door and they just walk in and they just say that it don't work that way. Like you're gonna have to recruit. You got like I was telling Principal L, I don't want to work in a district that doesn't want me. Like you gotta show me that you want me in order to keep me to like keep me there. Like that that's it. Like it's not even just recruiting me. You gotta retain me. Like you know I mean like because I mean there's always gonna be somebody else that wants me. And that's just the reality of it. Like, we're being honest. Like, you got to recruit and retain. 
uh, you got you got to work to make sure that people feel good with inside of the workplace. You cannot just let things go like it just haphazardly because it's not going to work out. Like we, like Prince, like we were talking about this before the show. We were talking about the transfer portal in sports and everything. It's just like that. Like if you're not recruiting athletes to come to your school, you're not going to win a national championship. And then it, just because you got them there, if you're not treating them right and they don't feel like they're, they're going to hop in the portal and they're going to leave, it's the same thing. There's an educator shortage. Like we are struggling to get educators and to keep educators. And then you want one of the top, one of the best black educators in the country. Like, you know, you want one of them, like one of those type of people. Uh, as an administrator, and that's what a lot of people were saying. They don't want the run of the mill. They want they want the go getters. If you if you want a go getter type principal, you got to go get them. Like you know, that's that's the way that it goes. Like you know, like, it don't work that way, man. Like you got you got you got to do something. You know. So am I am I wrong? No, no, not at all. That sounds like that sounds like a t shirt. You want to go get her? Go, go get, get her. Go, go get him. Go get him. You know. Now, I was read, I was reading the comments. I see Bell Michelle said the more black educators and administrators in schools the less likely discrimination will happen against black students breaking the cycle. That's how we break the cycle. Yep. You know, we, we that's called an inclusive environment, yep. right? You can hire all the officers you want, but like you said, officer sounds close to overseer. So right. be careful in the positions. You know, when you talk about the position we have is meant to maintain the status quo. But if we really want to break the cycle, let's give us, some positions of power, some positions where we can lead and we can make change. And that's how we will break. That's how we break that side. So thank you, Bell Michelle, for that outstanding uh, uh, point and uh, clarification, because it is so true. Let's let's be visible in, in the hiring process and let's make sure that we are that we that we show people our testimony, not just tell them our testimony. Let's show them our testimony. By making sure we have a more inclusive environment, right? And 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 like and Bill, shout out to Bill. She's one of my top supporters, and also like she's a former student. Like she was incredible, an incredible student, flat out. You know, I just want to put the point that out there. Uh, so, man, shout out to you, Bill. And but like also like the thing is, like black educators don't just benefit black people. Hey, you know, like what not what not people have like this like this. There's another misconception right there. Yeah. I mean, like literally everyone, and like nobody's trying to just take all the resources and stuff like that, man. Like everyone benefits. Everyone. I mean, there are incredible people out there that are just not even getting a shot, um, and like, and you won't even know how good they are because they're, they're getting put uh, in positions where they're not able to grow, or like even outside of education. Like I was telling Principal L, like, man, like some in some of these companies, they'll hire you as a DEI officer, but that's all you have no room to go up. Like you're not gonna become CEO. CEO, COO, or CFO, or something like that. They're putting you in a track where you're stuck, and there's just so much more talent that could it could just be pushed out there, man. If you just open up, just open up the doors, you know. Open up the doors. Um, another thing, man, man. Like I don't know, like have y'all ever felt like you know another misconception? Uh, just I'm just I'm just thinking of stuff, man. You know, I I remember when I first got to my job, I almost felt like I was an affirmative action hire or something like that at first. It was like, man, like. Y'all don't realize, like, man, like, that I actually, like, killed this interview. Like, I was really, really good. Like, y'all don't realize how, how much I prepared. Like, I was cold. Like, I got this job because I was good. But I just think – I didn't think people realized it, man. Have y'all ever experienced anything like that? Yeah, I think I think you and I were talking a little bit about this earlier, right? This idea that you always – like, you always have to prove yourself. Like, I, for a long time when I was in education, that like, I was so afraid that it was going to be stripped away from me, right? All of a sudden, I wouldn't have a job. So every day, I was the first person there, last mm-hmm. person to leave. You need this. Yes, I got you. Just everything. I was killing myself, probably literally killing myself with the amount of stress that I was dealing with because I always felt like I had to prove myself because, like, like you said, at any moment, like, look, I did you a favor, right? You don't really belong here. So I didn't ever want anybody to have that ability to say, you don't belong. Like this was a mistake. This was an accident. Like we, you know, so I, that is what I've done for a very long time, but it really, I'll be honest, it really wasn't until close to the pandemic. And when I really started getting into social media and connecting with all these other people, and I started to say, you know what? I recognize my own worth. I see my value. And if you bring me in just for that, then that's on you. That's not on me. Right. And in fact, it is the reason why I decided to step away from my last position, because I was so afraid after spending 10 years with the same company. It's like, maybe it's just because I'm good because I'm with them. Maybe 
Like, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when people started saying, like, dude, like, we we want you. I need you in this space. I was like, wait. No, it's it's for real. And somebody just popped in. It's, it's called that imposter syndrome. Know your value. Know your worth. Because if even if it was an affirmative action, even if it was a mistake, like, know who you are and show up. So that way you never have to feel like, I have to prove myself. I am who I am. I know what I'm worth. I know my value. And if you don't see it, that's on you. Because, I mean... I had to. I had to step back. My baby, I'm about to take my baby just in a couple of days. I'm going to drive her over to New York for college. Mm. And, for, and I just said I was with the last company for 10 years. So she's about to be 19. For 10 of those years, I was killing myself trying to prove myself. You know who I wasn't proving myself to? Your family. Your family. Exactly. And that's not time you could ever get back. So don't. Don't let somebody steal that away from you because then when you're pouring in, you only have so much. So do not let that take away from other things. Yes, what about sir. you, Principal? Have you ever experienced anything like that or seen anybody like that? And, and I just want to let Brother Charles know that um that that was Brother Terrell that with the uh, imposter and that was one of his major keys, you know, uh, <laughs> to success. You know that imposter syndrome. It's uh it's major, and also. Brother Charles, I actually just dropped my daughter off at Bowie State in Maryland, man. She's a freshman. My oldest is a senior at Chain University, both at HBCUs. But, you know, I tell people this fatherhood thing is nothing to be played with. It's it's real. It's an awesome response. Parenting in general is not to be played with. It's serious out here. So much respect to you, sir, and um, and to Terrell for that major key alert imposter <laughs> syndrome. You know, I um, I'll tell you this story, brothers. I, you know, my, my mother passed away in 2002, and I'm the only one of her eight children to graduate from college. And and she said, "Listen, you 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 got to get a doctorate. You got to get a doctorate." And she kept mm-hmm. saying, "And I said, Mom, I got the bachelor's, I got the master's." And my mom passed away, and I hadn't gotten a doctorate, but I it it kept haunting me that I hadn't done that for her. And but um, I just I just never thought I was good enough to finish. And, you know, I attended some of the best schools in this country and, you know, even in, in uh, Cambridge and London, you know, I, I'd gone to school with some of the best leaders, but I just always felt that I just didn't belong. And then I finally, you know, just realized that, Hey, listen, you, you've done it out here. You, you know, you, 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 you solidified what you've done in the community, you know, and with your children and with these teachers out here. And, um, and I decided to just go ahead and let it go. And, and um and, and write the dissertation I defended in 2019. 40 people from my staff attended my defense. And the president of the university came and said, we need to know why all these people are here. And I asked my staff and I said, do you love me that much? And they said, no, you just been talking so long about finishing. We wanted to make sure you back. <laughs> but, you know, but that it, 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 it hits us, you know, at different points. You know, you know, in our life, you know, it's real. And even, listen, even as educators, even as parents, even even as friends, oftentimes, you know, we may we may wonder just are we are we enough? Are we good enough? But you are. So anybody out there doubting yourself, you know, you you we, we all have our faults and it's not our it's not our faults that our friends and family struggle with. It's the things we do to hide those faults. So we've got to be okay. We we always ask ourselves, you know, we always say, saying, you know, be forgiving, be more loving, understanding. We gotta forgive ourselves too, brothers. We, mm-hmm. we 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 have to love ourselves, we have to be patient with ourselves. Um, because there's a lot on us. You know, there, you know, one lady commented when we were talking about you, know, you guys looking so fly in the in, in the picture, and you know, one lady, one of the ladies, uh, sister out of you know Illinois said, um, you know, go ahead and wear your hoodie. Hoodie Prince will be proud. And I made a little comment and said, listen, it's hard on brothers. I we wear hoodies in the elevator. Folks don't even they move away from us with the hoodie on, you know. But um, and I was joking, but also it's real that yeah. you know what we wear oftentimes will determine how much people respect us, how much people believe, you know, in us. So uh um, I, I just want to say, brothers, keep going, stay strong. All you educators, you know, you talked about, you know, Terrell talked about, you know, these folks leaving 600,000 net educators, teachers we've lost since uh, uh, January 2020, right before mm-hmm. the pandemic. We've lost. And that's after all the folks we've hired back, a huge loss. And much of that is because of the leadership, but also because of the representation. Representation matters. There's another major key alert from my man. Right. 
Representation <laughs> matters. <laughs> Yeah. I'm telling you, it, it definitely does. And just really quickly, because I need, I know like y'all both got stuff. Y'all, y'all busy, man. You know, but really quickly, you know, I went through imposter syndrome too. You know, even uh, becoming an administrator or like whether it was when I was a school counselor. Like last year, man, I, I'm not gonna lie. As a first year administrator, I wanted to prove that I was good enough to be an administrator, mm -hmm. not only to myself but to uh, you know, like the other administrators, the teachers, and stuff like that. Because I, I knew that some people might think that I didn't deserve to be there. But now, man, you know, I'm in my second year, man. I don't care if they think I belong. Man. I belong. You know, I, I know who I am yeah. now. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, when you, when you realize who you are, man, like, and I think it's, it's like we all hit those points in life. So we definitely got to be patient with ourselves. And then when you get there, man, like recognize that, that you belong. It's okay to say that you belong. You know, it's okay mm -hmm. to know that you belong and just live in that. You know what I'm saying? But I ain't going to keep these brothers too long. Man, these these are busy people, man. Uh, we I have, uh, you know, that Twitter's all posted all up and down the timeline. Tell them, uh, tell everybody, like, wh whoever goes wants to go first, it don't matter. Uh, like, what y'all got going on next, and where can people find you? Go ahead, Charles. Yes. So, uh, you know, the, the, the one spot that you could always find me, you know, the first and third Saturday of every month uh, across all the school rubric, we got inside the principal's office. That's the show I mentioned earlier that I host with my guy, Mac. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm hoping, right? We, we got a few different things out there. I'll be down in Florida. Uh, for the uh, Accelerate uh, Conference uh, in November. Really excited because I'll be down there not only for my birthday, but the Food and Wine Festival is happening. And it's at Disney. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. And hopefully, hopefully I'll be connecting with Reef out in Philly uh, for the Black Male Educator Convening. Uh, that's at the end of that week. So I'm hoping to go from Florida over there and then hopefully be down in Nabsi uh, in December. So you can find me in all those different spaces if you want to connect in person. But you could always find me, always find me on Twitter at underscore CW Consulting. I used to be upset because I don't know who has CW Consulting. They're not doing anything with it. So I had to throw that underscore in. But it is what it is now. Uh, so if you ever want to connect, if you ever want to just powwow, throw ideas off, I have educators from across the country. We, we just do that, right? And this isn't I, I know I'm building this brand and all of this. But look, if you just want to connect and chit chat and have a conversation like, let's do it. Is You're not going to find an invoice sitting in your mailbox afterwards. Like, I just want to connect because I know this work is so important. So please follow me. I'll follow you back and let's just connect and make something happen. And then, of course, listen to the podcast. Uh, it comes out every Friday. So the one out right now is talking about the uh, uh, our, our national anthem and, you know, my own personal beliefs and, you know, why people don't necessarily stand up. So uh, check it out. Let me know what you think. Yeah, definitely check him out. Like, I mean, his podcast is incredible. He has a, a number of YouTube videos that are all really, really good. So make sure you look at, look into, uh, you know, Charles. Like, he has some really good stuff. Press well, what's up, Nick? What's next for you? What you got going on next? And you know what else is powerful about Charles as well? Because he talked about how he had wondered, like, would he be able to keep his job and do, you know, um, uh, maintain his, his work and that kind of thing. When you have your own business, you don't have to worry about that. You don't have to you know, so many times these school districts want to make you think you have to deal with what I'm giving you because nobody else wants you. You can't do anything for yourself. This brother's showing you you don't have mm -hmm. to. You can do for yourself and do because when you provide when you start a business and provide for yourself, you're employing others. You provide and you're setting an example for others. So on so many levels, this brother's doing big things. So I, I, I'm proud to be in this fight with 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 both of you. Appreciate and for you me, know. you know, for me, you know, listen, I'm, I'm I'm right back in school tomorrow. I'm running the K-8 building in Wilmington, Delaware, 700 students, 90 plus percent, you know, high poverty community. You know, but our students are graduating and going to some of the top high schools, going to some great colleges, engineering. And, you know, our chess team, the two-time national chess champions, okay. my students in Delaware. And when I was in Philly, you know, because I was in Philly for over 25 years, um, when my students were, my students were, eight-time national chess champion. As a matter of fact, you talked about Sharif. Here's the thing. There's so many connections, Charles, because when Sharif and I were principals in Philly, Sharif was protesting when Bush came to town one year and got in a little trouble, got, you know, got, got in trouble <laughs> with the police. And the superintendent said, listen, I need you to, uh, I need somebody to run Sharif's building while he's, you know, been in, 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 in uh, you know, away for a minute, right? <laughs> Taking care of some things. So I ran his building and my building just to keep that brother afloat. And he still talks about it, you know, because um, after that, we started the Association of Black School Administrators in Philly. But Chief Reef and I have always been connected. And you also talked to Brother Vernon Wright in Texas. You know, I just, um, 
broke bread with them down there. It's so many connections, you know, that, that you know, with in, in this work that we're doing, you know, it's, 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 it's a small world, you know, out here, but every day serving, um, serving these children, serving these teachers and, and the community. Um, but also, like I said, I, you know, I, I'm working with my, my two co-authors. We just recently released the book, Retention for Change. We wrote a book about teacher and leader retention before the pandemic. Now, we hadn't anticipated this mass resignation, but we knew it was coming. It's been percolating. The tea kettle the tea kettle's been boiling for a while. So we, we talk about these strategies on how we can develop these school cultures where we are, we are supporting teachers and supporting administrators so that they can take care of the people who are taking care of you know, our children. Of course, my first book is I Choose to Stay. I see another major key alert. My man Terrell said we chose to stay. You know, exactly. My first book 20 years ago, people still buying this book, I Choose to Stay. Um, and also, um, we have a whole I Choose to Stay movement now with the I Choose to Stay shirts. And then I'm, I'm, I'm speaking, you know, you know, all over. I, I'm, you know, I'm in Texas, Utah, you know, Florida, um, just so many different, you know, uh, Missouri. You know, I, I was I was just saw uh, I just, uh, you know, my brothers in, in the St. Louis area. I just did the, the keynote for the opening the Columbia Public Schools, uh, mm -hmm. Kansas City, Kansas. Um, it's just been amazing. You know, in Ohio, um, it's, it's the love that we receive from so many educators out there because we're telling the truth and folks want to hear the truth mm -hmm. and they want to hear it from the ground. So I'm looking forward to staying connected, connecting with folks out there on social media. And you know what, uh, 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 brother key, you know, somebody out there, one of your viewers reaches out to me and tells me that they watch the show. I'm going to autograph a book and send it to them, but they've got to tell me something they learned on the show just don't come just don't come tell me you know our names tell me a nugget you've taken from one of these brothers and you're going to take back and change your community because we have too many teaching cultures we need more learning cultures let's go back and and show folks that they need to embrace being learners that's when we truly choose to stay when we embrace that the impact of an educator is not based on their ability to teach but the ability to learn and be curious. Thank you, brothers. Appreciate you so much. Yeah, and I guess what's next for me? Uh, about to go eat dinner. Your boy is getting hungry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm about to go downstairs and eat, man. After that, you know, I got work too, man. You know, I'm still an assistant principal. Uh, we got a show Thursday with Mrs. Nichols. We're going to talk about equity for all students, not just some mm, students, for all students, right? So we're going to do that. And then uh, I'll do another key in in this weekend. So we'll talk about education news kind of go over everything and let you know my thoughts about what's going on in the world of education. But uh, make sure you like, comment, subscribe to the channel, check out my merchandise, and uh, we'll see y'all next time, man. Peace. Peace, brother. Take care, bro.